Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager, your host, and uh, normally with Jason Kemper, but today I get the delight of talking with Zach Ellis. Uh, Zach is somebody who grew up here at Silver Birch Ranch. His dad is the executive director here at camp, and uh, so you kind of grew up around ministry and in ministry. Um, and if you're interested in hearing other things that Zach and I talked about, and actually Jason was with us last time, go to Relate365.com, download those podcasts, or whatever your favorite podcast site is, you can use that. Uh, Zach, how old are you? 29. He's 29 years old. So we got a younger older here. I'm 63. He's 29. And we're going to talk about some things. I thought, Zach, if it's okay, I want to throw some words at you. Mm-hmm. And I want to hear what you think about certain things. And then I'll respond to what I think about them. And we'll see if it's any different or if there's a generation gap here or if it's like, who cares? Uh, one of those things. So, I'm all right. First word, mm-hmm. college. College. <laughs> Did you go to college? A bunch of different colleges, yeah. Okay, yeah. so that doesn't sound like you graduated from one. Yeah, I did eventually from, I think, two total, maybe three. But yeah, I think I went to like five all said and done. Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay. I did some jumping around. And and did you have a major? Uh, yeah, I had a bunch of different ones. I wanted to do medicine at first, and then, uh, and then I got into... Uh, ministry and okay. then uh, yeah that was spread out between like five different schools okay so five different schools all kinds of different teachers all kinds of different places uh, geographically uh yeah pretty much illinois and wisconsin but yeah i mean yeah it was a bunch of different places very different fields each one of them okay well tell me about your experience i mean is it something that you look back on and go that was great or is it something you roll roll your eyes at and say yeah i didn't like that I mean, it was such a like unpredictable road the whole way through. Like to think that anybody sets out in high school and says, "I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to this school. I'm going to do it in four years, and then move on to whatever comes next." I, I guess maybe that could have been a thing, but it wasn't anywhere close to my experience. So, uh, to look back and think about doing it any differently, it just felt like like one haphazard, like like falling down the pinball machine and hitting everything on the way down, and just something kind of came out of it. So, but, why did you go? Why did I go to college? Yeah. Well, I think uh, there was definitely the societal pressure, right? The idea right. that like if you're going to go to after school, you better have a plan. And I mean, sometimes college was like a bit of a like a, a scapegoat. Like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do, so let me go. I got four hours or four years to figure it out. Right. Um, I probably took like seven in five different schools. But uh, yeah, I, I, I felt like at the very least, initially, I needed school to do what I wanted to do. Okay. There wasn't a choice. Uh, but I did have in the back of my mind that college was the quote unquote right thing for me to do. I didn't think I was going to end up in like the trades or doing some like like a job that I could just go and work as an apprentice and learn that way. I kind of figured I would. Did end you up. accumulate that? Um, I did a little bit, but I was really so. So my parents, I think, were pretty smart in that they they let me know early on you can go and do whatever you want to do, but you got to make it happen of your own accord. Research the school, figure out the right program, figure out how to get it funded, and then there you go, do your thing. So from the jump, I knew whatever I want to put into this, I better be able to recoup it afterwards and hopefully quickly, because I knew of a bunch of people that were already talking about how when they like they graduated college and had a kid within like a year and they wouldn't be paying off their college debt until that kid started college at their current like rate of pay. Yeah. Yeah. So I know I was, a 63 year old doctor. He's a, and he's still paying his college debt. His original debt. Yeah. Well, he's got like three doctorates and oh, you know, right. I mean but, yeah. but he does it because it's kind of his thing. He said 
you know, they're going to be stupid about these loans and give me zero no, percent interest or whatever it is. I'm going to take my time and pay them off and instead of just pay. So it's his own rebellion. I mean, oh, he's right. he's just kind of playing the game with him. He could have paid him off a long time ago, but it, it just shows you how long it could take to pay him off if you don't mm. have a job like his. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. he's 63. Yeah, he's still paying off college debt. It's terrifying when they when you actually run the math. On it's so easy to say yes on the front end, but then on the back end when you're paying off principal and then the interest starts to kick in. Oh, but there's a lot of my friends. I won't name names, but there's plenty of people I grew up with that are looking at 80, 100, 120 plus the interest. That's but so the life cycle of that loan, you're paying two hundred thousand dollars. Right. And, you and, better have a sweet gig, man. And, and think about it. Think about if let's say you met somebody in college, got married, and you both both have one hundred and twenty, thirty thousand dollars in debt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you have a kid, and one yeah, of you so, doesn't want to so work. So you get married. <laughs> the, the day you know your wedding day, you're, you're looking at two hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of debt there without the interest yet. Yep. You get married. You don't have anywhere to live. You don't have a car. You don't have a cell phone, or you have one, but you need a new one. And now your bills are like crazy, and you're wondering how in the world you're going to make it. Mm-hmm. It's got to be. It's just an incredible amount of pressure and stress to handle at the like the beginning of so many things that are already are already stressful themselves right so so what do you think if somebody says well just declare bankruptcy um well okay so that's an interesting thing because i do know a bunch of people what's the phrase they use like sovereign entity people right yeah. that don't pay taxes right and like that whole concept right whatever it is however you want to work it out ethically morally even if the math plays out if you want to do that, as long as it doesn't put undue burden on the rest of the collective that is still paying, otherwise, like you kind of have to set a universal standard to say this much money we're not going to give back anymore. Yeah. yeah, but with the college stuff, with debt and all of that, I mean, I don't even use any of the degrees or half degrees that I got from school now. Right now, I do photography, and it's like an amalgamation of all the things I guess that I've learned through a bunch of experiences that had nothing to do with photography at all. Right, like one of the things would be. Uh, from medicine, working in assisted living and having a thousand conversations with elderly people for hours on end. Now I can do a portraiture session with somebody and be with them for the whole time. But that had nothing to do with going to school for right. it. Right. Right. So, you could have done that outside of school if if you wanted to, but you were forced to because of school. And there's some things that. Sure. Yeah. So if I'm a high school kid, I come to you and I say, Zach, I I don't know what to do about college. What would you ask me? What would you tell me? I think you'd have to take a couple steps back right away to say, um, well, if we're talking about like what you're going to go and give yourself to, and like if that requires that somebody else teach you some specific skills to pull that off, well, that's fine. But first, do you really know what you want to do? And before we even get there, like what what problem do you see in the world? What is it that isn't going correctly that you seem like called to help set right? So maybe that's your aim. That's your general direction. Now, there's probably a bunch of different ways to make that thing happen. And if that's a specific thing, does it need college? Or could you go and learn it as an apprentice? Is I would say, as long as you aren't thinking about college as this kind of like one of the the archetypal life experiences that you should have, right. and instead, like, right, where are you going to go learn the thing you got to learn? You most likely could go and learn it in a different way, and maybe even make money while you learn it. Like right. the trades are a great example of that. Right now, if you wanted to become a plumber and that's what you want to do, you could go become an apprentice with some guy that's about to retire because there's a million of them. Right. And then when he goes to retire and he loves you because you've been hanging with him for two years, getting paid good money, he's going to give you a book of business, and there you go. There's a career. Yeah. But right. that's dirty work, you know, and that's not the traditional. 
go and have your kegger party and your you know a thousand friends and go into the game and everything right. else that's not bad but that isn't that you know right that's a whole nother thing yeah right you and know it costs like a hundred thousand dollars yeah of course <laughs> yeah yeah you know what one of the interesting things i don't know how many kids coming out of high school actually know what they want to do mm-hmm. in life i mean that's why i like nicolay bible institute or something like that where you take a year and do something else think about it t- try and see it Here's, here's what's really hard, and, and this could get controversial as well to anybody I know, but I really think that God created us in a very specific way. For example, you're, you're creative, correct? I would hope so, yeah. Do you enjoy being creative? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine working a factory job and just putting a bolt in a in something over and over again all day? Not unless there was a way to find some creativity exactly. in it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And now, and I'm not blaming you for that. I, I think that's the way you're wired. Mm-hmm. So you eventually found your way to photography. Mm-hmm. And and you you like doing it, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. So if if years ago you were in high school and you came to me and you said, you know, I I don't know what to do, mm-hmm. I would have said, well, what would you do for nothing? That would be my first question. Mm-hmm. I mean, if money didn't matter at all, mm-hmm. job didn't matter, at all, what would you do if you could just get up today and go start doing it? Right. And then, if, if you tell me lay on a beach, I'd say, well, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm right. I, what would you do work wise mm-hmm. that you would say I would do this for nothing? Mm-hmm. And that's where I would steer you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the modern world, I think it becomes a little bit more complicated for people because there is such a such an abundance of options to choose. And not all of them are as directly connected to what you would like. Maybe you'd think of as like like the classic needs for humanity, the stuff that like at the end of the day, you got to have these bases covered. And then we have all sorts of things after that that are definitely of value. Um, and like maybe art is one of them it, with photography would fit into that realm of, well, okay, if I'm going to do this work and it pays enough for me to, to put food in my mouth and to live like that, I have to do that for sure. But beyond that, like, what is it contributing back that makes it valuable enough for like somebody to give their actual life to doing that work? And I mean, there, there's a lot of things I think that like, it takes a little bit more time thinking about why it is legitimate to do. I mean, even right. like we talked about, I think on the last one, like sitting here and doing a podcast. Well, why would that be of value to somebody to sit and listen to this, to listen to the nighttime stories right. that you do, but it has enough value because people, I mean, people are tuning in to programs all over the world to something that is, it's just different than the essentials we need for life. Yeah. So for a college kid or, or somebody looking to go to do anything with their life, if it's college, the trades, some kind of work, it's got to at least start with, well, do you want to do it, right? Do you get yeah. out of bed and want to? But then also, is it meeting a need that we definitely have in the world? How, how much, uh, what role and how much of a role does uh, money play in it? How much of a role? Yeah, I mean, when you decide what you're doing, how much of a role does money factor into it? Well, I mean, I think at least in this country and in some places around the world, you have the unique opportunity of what you put in, hopefully, is what you get out of it. So if you're a person who really, I I don't want to be the judge of anybody else, but I do know that if I count up the hours of my life compared to how I used to live and when I thought I was being productive, compared to over the years, just slicing away some of the some of the stuff that's not necessary, some of the, the, the ways that I was wasting time, I know that I'm working way harder now than I was before. So put the world on a scale, if you want to work really hard, hopefully that should be attached to some kind of gain, right? It doesn't have to be always financial currency, but maybe it's building more community, right? And the value that comes from that's hard okay, to Okay, but quantify. you don't get money from building community. So right. I'm just wondering, well, what's the role of finance? Uh, right. What's the role when you're choosing what you want to do in life? Mm-hmm. 
How important is just the money aspect? Like how much money is this job going to make? How much money is enough? Mm -hmm. I mean, the the question basically is, all right, the people are, is it, let me ask you this. Is it wrong to be poor? I think it would be wrong um, to be poor if it was out of like intentional laziness to say, I do have this thing that I have to offer, but you know, it's hard and it gives me a headache and I don't want to do it. So I'm just going to do this other thing. Like that seems a little wasteful. But there are professions that don't pay as well. Right. Right. And there are professions that pay like crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Football, for instance. I mean, you want to be an all pro quarterback on a football team, you're going to make millions of dollars. Right. All right. Right. If you want to be the water boy, mm-hmm. not not millions. Well, and there's some easy metrics for that, like how much skill, how much brain power does it actually take? But then there's some things that feel a little more arbitrary, like why does a quarterback make that much money when it is an unnecessary game that we're watching after all? But that begs the question, how necessary is that game that we're all collectively watching? And it puts us on the same page. It puts us into the same conversation across millions of people. It has some kind of a like war violence release that doesn't actually kill people. There's some weird stuff in there. And so in that, I think it is important to like, if a kid came to me and said, what am I going to do? I would definitely tell them, pay attention to the world as you actually observe it, no matter how weird it seems, what are the things that we seem to value? That may shift, right? I mean, that brings in biblical principles of like, at the end of the day, what can you really bring, what what can you build upon that's gonna remain the same? In this case, that might be the things that you always know humanity needs that are a little less sexy. Right. But if you wanna push it and go do something a little weird, a little bit on the edge, that we, at least right now, value highly as something unique, you can go make a lot of money for not doing necessarily a lot of hard work, but you right. got to be—you have to be smart, shrewd enough to see those places in the market where, like, oop, humanity makes this thing important right now. I can do that. Yeah, it's just a different game. I think it's a lot more flighty, a lot more jumping from this to that to that, and I don't know. Well, I'm just saying. In 1981, when we started the year on ministry up here, the advice I got from my dad, which he's been dead for a long time, thirty some years was simply, you know, you got to follow your heart. You got to follow what God put on your heart to do. If that's what you want to do, I mean, you got to do it. Yeah, but it didn't pay anything. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't pay that moved us. Right. And I wouldn't go back and do it any other way. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's like, no, I found what I was put on this planet to do. And I did it. Mm-hmm. And for a while, I was poor. I mean, yeah, our first month, our first months here was 150 bucks a month. I mean, that's all we got. Mm-hmm. And so you're poor, but you're not poor because you're not educated. I was educated at Wheaton College. I had my master's degree from University of Illinois. And I was working 12-hour days. Right. I was just poor. Mm-hmm. You know, and I had to learn that that was okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, because the world doesn't operate that way. The world the world operates. You work that hard. You get those degrees. You got the, you know, you, you should be getting remunerated. Well, in a way I was. Mm-hmm. I was doing something that my heart said this was important to do. Mm-hmm. And that was where the satisfaction came from. I mean, uh, yeah, you live on ramen soup for a while, and you, you do things that you have to do to get by. But again, it's not the money necessarily that drove me eventually. It wasn't, it wasn't that. It wasn't the education. It wasn't the – it was, you know what? I think I was put on the planet to do this. Mm-hmm. And so I needed to do it. And, and yet poorness just comes along with it. Yeah. I mean, there are sometimes you want to go sit with people in a nursing home and just talk to them. You're not going to get rich doing that. Mm-hmm. But go do it. I mean, if that's if that's something that you really want to do, go do it. 
Right. Maybe you need to go into social work or maybe you need to go into something that, that does that kind of thing. Right. You know, and, and you can live off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this this one guy um, from an, another country that used to come and speak here. And he never, ever talked about finance, how much it cost to take him here or anything. And he had this one quip whenever we'd ask, you know, what does it cost? He goes, I'll tell you what, you pay me too much and I won't give it back. You pay me too little, I won't complain. And that's all he ever told us. Mm. In other words, I love what I do. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you have, actually, that you can afford. Right. I'm coming over from another country. It's not cheap. Yeah. However, that doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that the opportunity to share with you what I need to share with you. Right. It, that's what matters. So mm-hmm. whatever you pay me, I'll smile. We'll put it in our bank account, and we'll go from there. Mm-hmm. And I thought, God, help me have that attitude. You know what I mean? That's that's somebody who's fulfilled without necessarily saying it's just money that drives me. Mm-hmm. No, it's purpose that drives me. Well, and it's a big, it's a leap of faith, I think, initially. But if you're working in a way with, like, if you really go for that in the way that that speaker was, and the people around you are recognizing, okay, we could take advantage of this person, but here he is giving of himself with the skill that he has uniquely, and he's good at doing it, and we're seeing results from it, and we get to choose what we pay him. Why wouldn't you, as a as a smart person? Do a little research, find out average market value. If the guy was awesome, you add a little bit more on top of it. He doesn't need to know how you arrived at that number. And I think I like to operate in the same way for how haphazard photography is. I'm piecing together one project that might be four days of intense work, and then I'm not doing nothing with people again for another 10 days, and I'm editing in between. But it's chunk of money, nothing. Chunk of money, nothing. And sometimes the nothing is longer, and sometimes the chunk of money is bigger or smaller. But for me, the only time that I really feel it or really think about money when it comes to my work is if the lifestyle that I'm living, which outside of maintaining my gear, way too much insurance for all of the stuff that I've had to buy for the work, uh, I, I live pretty much like I live pretty frugally overall. Part of it's because I'm on the road and so there's just not enough space right. for anything. But that rhythm has become normal and there's just less needed overall. So the only time I really think about it is, okay, I'm giving it my all with the work. I don't think I could squeeze another minute out of the day. And if I'm feeling it to try to afford gas or food or the, the amenities plus to put away for some savings, that's when I have to reevaluate Am I being shrewd enough? Am I valuing my own work enough? Because especially with Christianity, that's been a struggle for me that to have at times this mentality of I just want to help. I just want to serve. But sometimes you can overserve to the point where, well, now I'm placing a need on people because I can't meet my own needs. So now I got to turn and lean on what that doesn't work. So you need to have that agency, that sovereignty for yourself. You have to take care of yourself so that you have the blessing to be able to take care of others on top of that. So have you ever sat down and said, I, I want to differentiate what my needs really are compared to my wants? I do that all. I mean, on paper, I do that all the time, sometimes out of necessity to say, okay, the money is tight right now. We are in the in-between stage. Right, right. All right. Yeah. It's code red, people. What do I need this month? And inevitably, it is so, 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 so much less than I would need. And even then, you could take a couple more layers off that and I could get creative and I'm not going to die. I know that. I mean, if I think about it at times, especially when I'm looking at taking a risky move with within the business, sometimes the, the, the metric question is, 
like, can I rebound from this uh, within like a couple, even if I have to pivot into a different trade for a couple months, like, could I go for this with high expectation for a payoff and still rebound even though, even though it might sting a little? Yeah. I don't want to be in that mode all the time. Right. But yeah, there's, there's some room in there to play with, am I called to this? And if I'm going to work my tail off and I know, like my, if you know that you know that you know that this is what you're supposed to do and it's good for people around you, then there is an element of saying like, it's going to work out. Do you ever adjust your price according to the person? Oh yeah. I just did the other day and I had to kind of swallow a little pride because I value my work like for the, for the effort that I put in. And there was a bunch of things behind the scenes that happened in order to pull off something that was already extra. And so I put myself into it a thousand percent. And at the end of the project, our conversation leading up to it left a little bit of wiggle room for how our pricing at the end of the day could be interpreted. And I don't think that I was taken advantage of, but that person pushed the limits towards paying as little as they could. And in that moment, I had to say in my own head, all right, how are you going to actually feel about this internally? Because your your actual response better reflect how you feel. Otherwise, it's going to eat you alive later. Yeah, but, but I think it, it's different. If you know a person has the capability of doing something and, and doesn't want to. Right. And you know somebody doesn't have the capability of big doing difference. something. Big it, difference. It, it, so you could take less resource from somebody who really can't. You know, I mean, it, let's say I made 20000 a year and I've got a family of four and I'm, you know, and, and I'm trying to get a photo of my kids, mm-hmm. you know, and I come to you mm-hmm. and you give me a price and I go, oh, no, thank you. I, you know, I want to be responsible and pay the bill. Mm-hmm. You go, oh, okay, stop. What would it take? Right. I mean, you would adjust probably. There's all sorts of things. When I'm like evaluating a potential client, there's so many different ways of that person offering value to me, right? So that is in the same way for any kid that might come up and say, what am I going to do and how am I going to do it? I would say, become as shrewd as you possibly can through observation, what it is that people need and what it is that you need that they can offer. Because a lot of times with a client, like I just did a series of three projects, a lot of work. I was hustling stuff up and down freight elevators and running around dark alleys. and trying to make this thing happen. None of them paid me a single dollar. But at the end of that whole thing, they have networks so far beyond that anybody that I could ever touch. And now, I mean, you could call it manipulative if you want, but they are so ingratiated to me because of how much I, like I gave them full payment capacity for not a dollar. And that's going to go out into the world. And it is, it's my work. I want it to shine anyway. Well, well, you know, my generation calls it networking. I mean, you basically are out there saying, I'm going to do something with this guy and this guy and this guy. And in the long run, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like if I talk to your dad or, or him and I are talking, you know, between your dad and I, we know everyone that comes to camp. Right. So, you know, how do I know them? Well, I used to do this over there and I used to take that group into this. And it, so all of a sudden, it, I didn't get paid for that necessarily. It just, right. you did stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just talking to a young guy, uh, Todd, on our staff about that and how he's working with some other producers and, they, and they're going to come and teach creative storytelling here. And, and I said, hey, have them come, have them teach you guys. And, and I said, and, have, and he wants to bring some other friends that are in it, you know, professionally that do that uh, from Green Bay and some other areas. And I said, have them do it because that's the importance of networking right there. Just, I don't care if there's 100 people listening. I, if it's just you three that are on our staff, have them come. Mm-hmm. Because the networking is lifetime. Mm-hmm. You know, now you got somebody to dial up and say, you know, what would you do in this? Or, how, you know, give me a creative idea over here. And, and you're in the creative 
areas. Mm-hmm. Um, you you know, can't and, put a value on that, oh, on what, no. where that will go, and you'll never be able to trace the way that that spider webs off into other things. And maybe you'll never even see the value of it yourself, but it helped that person, and then it helped them connect to somebody else. I mean, that for me, one of the best, like one of the most fun things that I get to do in any given day has nothing to do with money at all. And I have a feeling it comes back around eventually, but it is noticing where there's a need over here and I know this person and then oh I remember this person over here and they could totally do this and it would be a perfect like mutual right. mutual benefit and you get to connect them and almost immediately they forget about you because they're so excited to do the thing right. that they're about to do and you just get to sit back and go sweet yeah this is about to get done really well in a way that it might might never have happened yeah that's the old guy networking thing I mean that that really does work and it works because it's relational I think God made us relational he made us to look at people and say what are you doing and 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 at times, I think, you know, if you're talking to somebody and they have resources in your business, I think you got to charge them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have the resources. Don't be cheap. Mm-hmm. But it's really weird. I mean, I'll go to the dentist and the dentist will say, you know, you need this. And they're not used to my answer. I'll say, well, you know what? Let me go home and see when I can put it in my budget. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you need this. So, mm-hmm. Well, what do you want me to pay you with? Right. You know, yeah. I mean, it, well, yeah, I have a savings and that kind of thing, but it, it, really, I'd rather budget it. I mean, if I'm going to have it done, and really, it's my mouth. Mm-hmm. If I want to have a cavity there for a while, let me have a cavity there for a while. I'm, I'm going to figure out when I can do it, when mm-hmm. it's convenient. And I and I tell the, the, the doctor every time, I'm, I actually want to pay you. You know, I mean, I, I don't want you to come after me to collect. I don't want you to have to send bills out. Mm-hmm. The day that you do it, I'll give you a check. Mm-hmm. I just want to get it so that I'm responsible. And they're not used to that answer. Mm-hmm. And I'm just trying to be responsible with what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, again, it's not that I'm poor. I mean, I, I have savings in, for other things. I'm saying I don't want to spend those for the, my teeth. Well, and it does call into question what it is that you need, actually. If the dentist is saying that you need it, well, do you mean need in the way that, like, if you don't want to feel an ounce of pain from this cavity ever at all? Right. Or can you deal with, like, 10% discomfort for a month and then come back when you have the money? Yeah. Or some, most of the time, it's like they want to crown something that's already okay. You know what I mean? It's They're trying to get you on a gold tooth. Exactly. Thing? No, no. They, they're trying to get the gold teeth out. They do it a different way. Well, I want to see a gold tooth no, I got eventually. One. I oh, got there one you in there. Oh, nice. yeah. <laughs> but, but bottom line really is, I mean, it's those answers that I find interesting that people don't think through it and say, they don't have the courage to say, you know what, I don't want to spend that money right now. It's not that I, I do have a budget, I have a plan, you know, and, and actually, I, you know, I don't expect them to do it for nothing. I can pay for it. Mm-hmm. It's just let me put it in a budget and do it responsibly somehow. Right. And um, and down the road, I might even go see another dentist to see if they do it cheaper, you know, yeah. because this is America and I love America that way. You know, mm-hmm. I can find a cheaper product, uh, somebody that will do it for a you know, hundred bucks less. I'll, maybe I'll do it with well, them. And it calls into question when you're in a relationship with somebody and there is some transaction happening, there's a certain amount of vulnerability in that to say, okay, you're going to do work for me and I need you to produce something that has a specific outcome and this is why I want you to do it. This is this is the why behind the why of the work that I'm doing. And if you go deep enough with that, it's going to be real hard for you to not touch into emotional, spiritual, real right. things. Right. And when that comes to business, it can get a little dicey when you're talking about stuff that that's, that's that intimate to put a measurement on it to say, are you going to produce or not? Right. So, yeah, that's that's a lot of what I think it gets difficult is how do you really measure success in the business So world? what did we conclude about college? About, okay, I, we, <laughs> at the beginning we said, are we going to get through yeah. four words? No, we, got, we didn't get through one, by one the way. One word, yeah. 
All right. Yeah. Well, well, I don't know. Yeah, be careful if you're going to put yourself into debt, because if you are, it better be worth it for the work that you're going to do, and hopefully you have the capacity to pay it off. That just seems like good There good you math. go. There, there's, there's Zach Ellis' wisdom for you if you're in high school, and uh, hopefully you'll, you'll take that to heart. I, I'm personally, just very quickly, I'm just not a big college fan right now. I think take a break. Go do something else for a while. Make sure you need it. Yeah. And if you need it, great. Uh, this is Dave Wager and Zach Ellis, and we're coming to you from the podcast, Younger Older. Uh, thanks for listening to us. We hope to join you next time. Go to Relate365.com and download a bunch. That ends.